Ayla. This is the fifth of seven stories from Wendy Robertson's new collection, Siblings, narrated by Anne Dover. 1924. In Italy, Mussolini's fascists score a sweeping victory in the Italian general election. You'll be wondering now about me. Me? I'm the third girl in this family of seven, and the fourth child. Sometimes this seems to make me invisible. To be honest, it's a good place for a beady-eyed storyteller. After me come Erwin and Evan, who, being the little ones, get quite a bit of petting and attention from the others. I have to say that, like our Bram, I'm a good scholar. In fact, I could read even before I went to school. Maybe that started when our Adairin helped me pick out words in the Book of Common Prayer while we waited for her cakes to rise. Then the time comes when our Bram insists to Ma'am that I should stay at school right until I'm fourteen. Might look to you like she's marking time, Ma, but she'll still go on learning new things, I'm telling you. And our Brid brings me storybooks from her jumbo sales. They only cost pennies, and sometimes they're even given away. I have quite a collection of them now, under my bed. Some of them I read over and over again. I particularly like the poetry books, because the words zing and stain me head. I suppose all this means I do very well at school. So well, in fact, that Mrs Mason, one of my teachers, even invites me to her house for tea to play with her daughter, who goes to a different school but doesn't read as well as me and Mrs Mason gives me books that are too battered to sit on the smart polished shelves in her house, which has a water toilet down the yard instead of a netty. I sometimes make an excuse to go there so I can sit for a while and then pull the chain to flush the water away. The walls of the toilet are painted green, but there is no booty there. I'll tell you about booty in a minute. The day after my tenth birthday... D shows me the swearing game. To understand this, you need to know that across the lane behind our houses, there is this row of smallish buildings like large rabbit hutches. People hutches, I suppose. D's private name for them is shit houses, although our Brid calls them netties, and our mam says their proper name is earth closets. Anyway, this day I'm sitting on the back wall of our yard, watching Dee make her way towards the green to join her lad gang. But she doesn't find them. She comes back and grabs my shoulder. Well, Ayla Pet, I bet you were dying to know the swearing game. I jump off the wall. Swearing game? What's that? My voice is squeaking with excitement. There's always excitement around our Dee. She clutches my arm and leads me to the back wall of our own netty, or earth closet, or shithouse, whatever you call it. My mam says these people hutches are away from the house because of the smell. To be honest, I don't really notice the smell, either outside or inside the netty. I suppose you get used to it. Sometimes I notice people who bring the smell away with them. But, funnily enough, nobody in our house seems to. Or maybe we're just used to each other. Day drags me to the back wall of the netty. She stands before me and says, Now, Ayla, get hold of the back of your skirt. 
She puts her hand through her legs and pulls the back hem of her skirt before tucking it into the leather belt at her waist. She stands there, looking like some eastern prince wearing pantaloons. I blink at her, thinking that she's like a picture in one of the storybooks that I got off Mrs Mason. I put my hand through my own legs, haul out my own hem, to tuck it into the waistband of the skirt that Brid made for me for my birthday out of one of Dee's Sunday dresses. Now I watch Dee as she bends over and puts both hands on the packed earth ground and flings her boots up against the wall. Now she is entirely upside down, her hair falling down over her face. She shakes her head, looks up at me and speaks with her jumper almost covering her mouth. Come on, she says. Your turn, Ayla. I place my hands on the hard earth and fling my legs up against the wall. It's not that hard. Now, swear, she commands. What? My mouth like hers is muffled by my jumper. Swear, she orders. When you're upside down, you can swear, Ayla. God can hear you swearing when you're upside down. Now her voice deepens until it's almost like a boy's voice. Bloody bugger, bloody bugger, bloody bugger. She takes a deep breath. Now swear, Ayla, she shouts at the top of her voice. I'm upside down, so, funnily enough, I don't feel shocked. So I swear. Bloody bugger, bloody bugger. Louder, she commands. Louder, Ayla. So I swear louder. And I swear more, and somehow it's really wonderful. My head is buzzing. Then there is a clatter as she drops back onto her booted feet, and I follow suit with less of a clatter. See, she says, every time you're sick and tired of your life, and the folks around you are getting inside your head, you can get up on your hands against the wall and swear your head off. Feels good, doesn't it? Suddenly, the air is filling with loud yells, and we both turn to see the lads on the other side of the green. It's Dee's lad gang galloping towards us, shouting and pushing at each other. One lad is riding on the back of another, riding him like he's a horse. I just stand there. In no time, Dee is racing away and the lads are chasing after her. I feel good. She's right. You do feel better after swearing upside down. These days I do it even when she's not there. When it's raining, I do it against the washhouse wall with the door shut. Like I say, she's right. It does make you feel better when you're sick and tired of things and of people. When I'm sick and tired of people, I sometimes go out and sit on the netty. Sorry, earth closet. Even when I don't need to go. It's the one place in the house where I can be on my own. I like to stare up at the booty glistening in jam jars on the shelf above the door. If you don't know what booty is, it's the treasures that you find all around you. Things like broken marbles, bright pebbles or brass buttons, seashells or dead flowers. Anything that catches the light. They glow through the glass of the jam jar like stars. That's why they're called booty, a baby name for beautiful things. When I sit there and stare at the booty jars, I kind of calm down and forget to cry.
I sometimes wonder if Dee goes upside down against a wall to swear when she's in Bradford, or if there's something else that calms her down. Not that she cries. Dee never cries. When I'm fourteen, I too will go into place, like Deirdre and Adairin. Not away, but at a doctor's house near the high street in our own town. I only last a week there, when the doctor's wife gives me the sack for quoting the poet Longfellow, telling me I'm lazy, standing there dreaming instead of mopping the floor. The doctor's wife tells Mam I am not suitable for domestic work. That's when our Bram suggests to Mam that I should go to Bradford to live with our Dee and get work in a woollen mill. That's no punishment, to be honest. In Bradford, one of Dee's lodgers is a male nurse in the local mental hospital. I love his tales of the wards and the strange people. In the end, he tells me about this college in Harrogate, where even if you're a girl, you can train to be a nurse. To be honest, I sometimes wonder whether you find your fate, or it's your fate that finds you. You have been listening to Ayla, the fifth of seven stories from Wendy Robertson's new collection, Siblings, narrated by Andover and brought to you by Damselfly Books.